guys, welcome to episode four of the Football Axonomous Podcast. As always, I'm Rusty Miller. I'm Rock AQ. So today we got some NFL news. Um, combine starts this week. Uh, starts tomorrow, actually, 4 p.m. QBs, wideouts, and tight ends will be out there. Um, they've had the medicals and measurements the past couple of days for those positions. Yeah. Offensive, defensive linemen uh, were today as well. Uh, so we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, what this means for like our profession. So you're you're like going to be an agent. So what what does this mean for agents when they go to the combine? Um, agents. I mean, it's very important uh, for our players that we're representing. It helps us get feedback from teams on making connections, and it's just a big like stepping stools for a lot of players in their lives so it obviously helps us as well what about you yeah uh so dms this is their bread and butter so this is where they kind of solidify when guys run the 40 um vertical broad jump as long as well as with measurements mm-hmm. um, a lot of gms have set measurements uh, especially with like offensive linemen arm length is a big thing 33 inches that's kind of the standard uh, but yeah, GMs, this is this is kind of not their first time to get acclimated with the players, but really their first time to meet a lot of the players in person for the first time, as well to uh, kind of solidify what they've seen on film and what their scouts have been telling them about certain players as well. And so they have this this year's a little bit different. Like I said, it starts at four p.m. tomorrow. Uh, this year they've added 16 drills and deleted 10. Um, so we're gonna see a lot of new drills and the new drills along with being in primetime have been an issue for the players uh, because there's a lot of players that aren't testing. Joe Burrow's not testing, Chase Young, um, I know Ashton Davis from Cal, he's a safety, he's not testing. Uh, a lot of guys, it, it's really interesting. What would what would be your advice for your player if you had a player that was going to the combine this year? In regards With to all the testing things. or not testing? Um, well, if I think that it's it depends on how his season went last. Um, if I think he did had had a really excellent last season and he was a top five, top ten pick, then I wouldn't necessarily see the need mm-hmm. to uh, go to the combine, but if you know he had an okay decent last season and i believe it's, it's and i know that he's a skilled player that could gain a higher draft pick then i'll tell him definitely go out there and you know, do his best thing that he can yeah um we shall see i mean i know a lot of guys that are testing um definitely have room to improve and that's gonna i feel like that's gonna give them a leg up when it comes to certain positions that are kind of mixed like receiver is kind of muddy where there's a lot of guys that can flip-flop with rankings based off teams. That's how the offensive tackles are, too, a lot. Yeah. Um, they're between the top five offense tackles. Every team seems to have them in different rankings. Yeah, what do you, um, what's your opinion on Tua? I mean, I never really liked Tua. <laughs> uh, yeah. I believe he's a solid player. Uh, you think, you think, the hip, you think the hip injury is going to hold him back? Uh, he put out on Instagram the other day that he should be cleared by his pro day April 9th and 
he expects to be full go at his pro day. Yeah. I I expect I mean Joe Burrow, I feel like a lot of people's um opinions that he's gonna go number one to the Bengals. He's a great measurement, big solid quarterback. You know, obviously won the Natty this year. But I'm just excited to see what he does in the NFL. I know a lot of players in college they, you know, have an excellent season, whether it's John Manzo or whoever it is, a great college career and then they get to the NFL and it kind of goes south. But I think Joe Burrow is one of the guys that's gonna stay in the NFL and not become a bust. Right. So um, the the other thing that's going been going on in Indianapolis has been meetings uh, for the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. So the owners approved it. NFLPA originally the executive council for the NFLPA originally didn't approve it. Uh, so they renegotiated some things out, um, and then they finally did. The player reps approved it yesterday and they are expected to be sending it out to the membership of the players today. Yeah. You want to talk about some of the, um, you know, new things they added to the CBA? Yeah, um, so it's a 10-year deal. Uh, one of the biggest things that I think is going to make it a um, get approved by the full membership is because there's a $100,000 increase in the minimum salaries, which... For a lot of guys, that is a big deal oh, because that's, that's a lot of the membership. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of times fans don't really understand that. The top contracts are kind of skewed. like the one percenters of the NFL. Yeah, they're skewed right a little bit. Uh, a lot bit. And so I think that's, that's a big sticking point of why I think it will get approved within the coming weeks. Um, 17 game season as opposed to the regular 16 that we have now um, which it'll also cut out a preseason game because that was the thing that players had an issue with was okay we're going to play 17 games but what are you going to do to make us do less in the off season so we're more prepared and our bodies don't have as much wear and tear for an extra game just knowing a lot of football players even in college and stuff like and if you're not in the NFL, the extra game is like a lot towards them. They're, it's such a you know physical sport. The extra game could mean the difference between you having an injury that could make you get out for the entire year. Right. So that's I feel like that's a big uh, sticking point for a lot of players, and I'm surprised, I'm going to be surprised to see what actually goes down with this new CBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we also had they also are adding a seventh playoff team to each conference. One team, the only that I'm going to see will get a bye in this format. Still have three wild card uh, games instead of two, which will generate more money for the NFL and the players overall as well because the players were negotiating um, and they're going to get 48% of the money TV revenue this year. Mm-hmm. And that can increase to 40.5%, which would make them the most... TV revenue earning players union um, in all four major sports uh, up there with MLB. MLB is unconfirmed, um, but they're said to be about 48% as well. Yeah. So the one thing that when I said earlier about they negotiated um, some stuff after the executive council originally denied the CBA, uh, 
there was a big hoopla about the 17th game salary. Yeah, that's um, $250,000. Yeah, that I'm was going to be the max. Yeah. Um, and it was going to be 100% of their salary up to $250,000, which, like I said, with the $100,000 increase in minimum salaries, it wasn't a big deal for most of the players because most of the players weren't making $250,000 per game. It was a big deal for the guys that were making more than $250,000 a game because they weren't getting a normal paycheck. Yeah. But now they will if if the players do approve it. Um, 17th game will be just a regular game check as well. Yeah, I wonder, do you think in that 17th game if, you know, say star players that, I mean, I'm assuming this will, is what will happen, if there's star players on teams, they're already in the playoffs, mm-hmm. they will, like, you know, maybe sit out and not really risk I mean, I think I think it'll be exactly like how we see it now, where a lot of teams do that in week seventeen, anyways. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be it'll, it'll be different now because of having seven playoff teams, only one bye. So there's not going to be as many teams that are going to be able to sit players because there's most likely going to be a lot of playoff positioning on the line in week seventeen. Yeah, you're right. Um, coming up, or week eighteen, I guess it would be because of the bye. Um, but how do you think that the 17th game is going to impact contracts as we go forward um, because they're going to have to include that 17th game salary into the contract as well. Um, I can't, right now, I really can't crunch numbers. I'm not sure if it's going to increase players, uh, their salaries, or if it's going to decrease. Um, but I think that 17th game overall. When, it, when dealing with contracts that the hundred thousand the hundred thousand dollars that's added I feel like there there's gonna be less players making the minimum uh, the minimum salary in order to kind of offset that hundred thousand dollar increase if that makes sense to you yeah uh, yeah good your team saves some money but, <laughs> I mean it's business though right <laughs> so um, jumping into the XFL um, so we had the standings uh, first week, or after the third week. Um, so we, in the West, Houston reigns supreme, the only team left that's undefeated at 3-0. and uh, Dallas after them at 2-1, and one, and then LA and Seattle are at 1-2 and two each. Um, in the East, we have a tie for the top at 2-1 and one, uh, with St. Louis and D.C. And then New York is 1-2 and two in the third spot, and Tampa is the only winless team at 0-3. <laughs> uh, so the week three review uh, Houston got the dub against Tampa 34-27 what are your thoughts this game um, Houston took it out to Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay in the game they could have easily lost uh, a lot of highlights I felt like this game was kind of slow to me in the first half like it did pick up in the second half um I feel like if it if Tampa Bay was able to intercept the their balls, they had a chance. Um, I saw multiple possessions where uh, defensive players on Tampa Bay had balls in their hands and they kept they just couldn't bring it in. Right. They kept dropping and that could have sort of like split uh, changed the entire outcome of the entire game. Um, it's unfortunate that Tampa Bay is still you know winless. They should be able to. Um, they're winless, but if I I believe if they can just get all their pieces together, they should be able to pull at least one game out this season. It's looking tough. I just think it's not good for the league to have 
a team that's not performing well just for fans in general and mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's fans as well. Yeah, um, I mean, so Tampa covered, which I didn't expect. Uh, they covered the spread at seven and a half. That was the open. That was the line um, at game time, um, and the game also hit over forty six. Um, PJ Walker, MVP <laughs> already. Um, he was twenty four thirty six for three hundred six, and three TDs. Um, also ran four times for thirty four yards and a touchdown, along with one two point and one three point conversions. Um, James Butler had seven carries for 72 yards uh, for Houston, which is 10.3 per carry. Um, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> um, he added three catches, only five yards. He didn't do a lot in the passing game, uh, but he also had a two-point conversion. Uh, and then the Beast, and rec- back-to-back hat-tricks for Cam Phillips, um, Eight catches for 194 yards. <laughs> uh, leading receiver in the league, yes. Um, and like I said, three touchdowns again on 10 targets. Um, the only notable stat offensive player for Tampa Bay was Jalen Tolliver, the wide receiver. Um, he had eight catches for 104 yards and thir- on 13 targets and a one-point conversion that he um, received from Reese Horn uh, on a double pass try. Um, standout defensive player for that game, uh, DeMarquis Gates for Houston, linebacker, hit eight tackles and tackle plus and a pick and a pass deflection. Um, so, I mean, I thought that I, I didn't even expect this game to be anywhere close. I think anybody did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right though. I think Tampa, they can get it done. I think Cornelius has been, he looked good. Taylor Cornelius, the quarterback. For Tampa, I mean, against one of the better defenses in Houston, I, I think he looked pretty solid. Um, and I think if the Tampa defense can keep holding it down like they have been, I think eventually they're going to break through. I, I don't know if it's going to take them to trade for a different quarterback, um, but, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I, th- I think eventually they'll get it done, though. Yeah. So the second game of the week we had was uh, Dallas at Seattle. Dallas got the win 24-12. They covered the points right at minus four and a half. um, And then the under hit at 40 and a half. Yeah. um, There's a lot of turnovers in this game. It was honestly kind of hard to watch. Saw interceptions back and forth. Just a lot of turnovers. I feel like in order for Seattle to get their... In order for Seattle to make the game competitive, they just have to stop turning the ball over. Mm. Dallas, on the other end, I feel after watching this game, I believe they're in the fifth, sixth spot in the XFL. And I came into the when I came into this season, I said that they're my number one team. Hopefully, they can get some things done and move up to at least the top three pick. Their defense is great, so yeah, I believe that they can still make a good shot for winning it all. Yeah. Right now, it's just kind of rocky, but they got to get the pieces together. Yeah, I think they're either third or fourth, odds-wise, to win the championship still. Um, Lady Jones, he had another pretty good game. Um, I think he just needs to stop turning the ball over. Um, 20, 30 of 41 for 274 and three touchdowns and two picks. Uh, Artis Payne had another good day. 
uh, running the ball, 13 carries for 80 yards. Uh, that's 6.2 per carry. Um, and then he also had six catches for 30 yards on six targets, which I know you, you were talking about uh, him definitely getting involved in the running in the passing game as well. Yeah, it's good um, Lance Dunbar, I wanted to highlight him too, uh, just because, not, not just because he's on my fantasy team, but um, because he, had, he only had eight carries for 23 yards, which is 2.9 uh, per carry. But like you said, like I said, with Payne, um, artist Payne, he had nine catches for 56 yards on 11 targets, and 56 yards was the second best on the team for this game. Um, Donald Parham, the tight end for Dallas, he continued his tirade. Uh, he's third in the league in receiving overall between receivers and tight ends. And uh, he had five catches for 101 yards, two touchdowns on seven targets. And then two of the guys on defense that had pretty good games, uh, Steven Johnson for Seattle, uh, linebacker, he had 14 tackles, two tackles for loss on a pass deflection, which I know you like like guys with big tackle numbers. Yeah, sure I do. <laughs> um, and then Asante Brown, linebacker for the, for Dallas, he had nine tackles and a tackle for loss. Um, I mean, I thought I thought it was it was a close game. Um, like I said to you earlier, um, I thought that's both of the Saturday games were a hell of a lot better than the Sunday games, as we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um, but I think the only reason it was close once again for Dallas is because Larry Jones threw another two interceptions. I mean, and Seattle is kind of like LA, I feel. Um, they're in a hard division. The West is, is definitely the better division, I feel like. And uh, I think if their offense can get more points, just like New York, sort of, that I think, I think they'll start winning some more games. Yeah. All right, well, speaking of New York, New York got <laughs> Seattle, I mean, St. Louis. Um, I thought the Guardians played a fluid game. Uh, New York, they, after watching this game and seeing their past games, I believe they have one of the more low-caliber teams in this league. Definitely. Offenses, especially. Um, it's just the, the Battlehawks, on the other hand, they, they put up a great game. I would say that uh, Tiana, I think he had less than 150 yeah. passing yards. It's, I feel like that's a subpar game compared to some of the other numbers we mentioned. He had 119 in this game. Uh, we, you know, watching PJ Walker and other players and they're putting up these great numbers. I feel like if he can just scare everything together, it'd be a better game overall just to watch. But it sparks every now and then. But then we would see a little mess up there from here and there. Yeah, I mean, St. Luke's got the win 29-9. to um, Tom really didn't have to throw the ball because they got up early so so quickly. Yeah. Um, but St. Louis covered the spread at 10.5, which I didn't think they were going to do that. I thought 10 was a little bit of a big number. Um, and then they under hit at 41. Um, but, I mean... Tom had had a solid day for his managerial role that he was kind of playing in this game. Um, 12 of 18, like you said, 119 yards, added three carries for 14 yards. Uh, but I think the real story of this game was the St. Louis running game, uh, especially good. the first drive. Literally, they just ran the ball down the third of the New York defense and they couldn't stop it. Yeah, they do have a backfield. Uh, Matt Jones, the leading rusher in the XFL, he carried it 15 times for 95 yards at 6.3 per clip. 
and he also scored one time. Um, the leading receiver in this game, because uh, St. Louis didn't throw the ball a lot, um, and neither did New York for that matter, uh, was Austin Duke, the wideout for New York. He had four catches for 43 yards and a touchdown on six targets. Um, and then a couple of defensive standouts. Uh, Will Hill had nine tackles. He's a safety for uh, St. Louis. He also had a tackle for loss. Um, and then Ranthony Tishada for New York. He's also a safety. Um, and he had six tackles, a sack, tackle for loss, and a pass deflection. Um, I mean, my thought is that, like we said, uh, the backfield duo of Matt Jones and Kristen Michael for St. Louis is just ridiculous, and I think they're the best running game in the league. Um, they get into trouble sometimes when they can't run the ball or, or when they get behind, um, like they did last, the week two um, against Houston, and then Tom has to kind of throw the ball a lot more. But I think they'll be fine, and I think they're going to definitely compete with D.C. for the East title. Uh, and New York is absolutely horrible. And I think if they if they wouldn't have beat Tampa in week one, they would be where Tampa is right now with us. Because I agree. I yeah, they they just absolutely look abysmal on on tape and every every weekend essentially. Um, so last game of the week we had my DC defenders got annihilated in LA. Um, LA was pretty big. Yeah, <laughs> LA won thirty nine to nine, covered the spread. Um, LA got plus eight and a half, and then uh, the over hit at uh, forty four and a half points. Yeah, um, in fact, Josh Johnson had a resurgence in this game. Came back, played really, really uh, well. Defenders are a good team, but. Everyone knows that Josh Johnson, I mean, Cardale Jones, on the other hand, he threw four picks, I believe. He just can't win like that. I, I believe that caused entire teams to just play nervous in general. And it's just kind of surprising to see this happen, especially from DC and playing LA at the same time. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, other than DC killing themselves with five turnovers overall, uh, like you said, the four picks with Cardell Jones, along with the punter Hunter Niswander, uh, fumbled. Yeah. On when he tried to run on a punt. Um, yeah. Uh, Josh Johnson, eighteen of twenty-five, two hundred seventy-eight yards and three touchdowns. Also ran three times for six yards. That's yeah. nothing. I, I want to say with LA's big win, though, that they didn't have a good running game. The running game really wasn't there. And teams, you know, after seeing this game especially, they'll be able to figure out how to lock down these receivers and how to, you know, get Josh Johnson covered. So if DC, I mean, if LA doesn't find a way to get a running game going, then I don't expect to see too many games like this. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised uh, Nelson Spruce didn't have his best game. He still had a pretty good game with uh, 75 yards. Um, but uh, Nick Brosette, uh, for the for DC, he carried it eight times for seventy five yards, nine point four average, and a touchdown. He he got the ball at, in garbage time when it didn't matter. He scored a long touchdown. Um, that was really the bulk of his carries. Yeah. Um, and then, the, but I mean, the big story, the biggest story of the game was you're talking about the running game. Yeah. But Eli Elijah Hood 
was out. They're starting running back for LA. So Marquez Carter got the bulk of the carries. He ran 11 times for 34 yards, which is pretty bad. But he scored three times, two on the ground, one in the air, uh, with his three catches uh, for 41 yards. And he also scored a two-point conversion as well. Yeah. Did a bunch of flips. Uh, he was very entertaining, uh, yeah. especially when the sideline reporter was interviewing him a couple times. Uh, but he had a day. He had a day when he got his chance, and he he made the most of it with three scores. Um, like I was talking about with Nelson Spruce earlier, he didn't have he wasn't the leading receiver in this game for once. Um, Trent McBride actually, who was traded in the preseason from DC to LA, um, he had five catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns on six targets. Um, and then the linebacker for LA, uh, Trey Williams, he had eight tackles for a sack and a tackle for loss. Not a lot of big defensive performances in this game, obviously, with the blowout win. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think DC will be fine. It, this was their first away game. Um, like you said, Cardale, four interceptions. You, you sometimes you have those games. Yeah, that's some Kenny FM for this, so I'm sure it won't happen. I'm sure yeah, he's gonna take this he's, learning lesson. He's a consummate professional, he'll, yeah. he'll get it back. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know if LA can sustain this, I don't think they will. Um, but like I said, with the same thing with Seattle, I think that they're a team that's going to definitely compete every single week and they're going to have a shot possibly to get into that second spot in the West and get into the West um, division championship. Most definitely. Uh, we have our players of the week segment. You want to yes, start sir. that up? With... Um, so we, yeah. So we talked about Cam Phillips a little bit, um, earlier. He's our offensive player of the week. He's actually the XFL. He was named XFL star um, of the week, and it's been a second week in a row. Yeah, I mean, he he deserved. He proved me wrong. I mean, I, who who really saw a guy score three touchdowns back to back weeks? Coming probably no. Yeah. Um, but to add a hundred and ninety four yards, which is the biggest single receiving game in the XFL so far, uh, I thought he was going to get two hundred. He was close, but. Um, yeah, he yeah, is he, just a beast, and every time they're in the red zone, PJ just looks for him. Yeah, watching him play, he's he creates separation on the line. He's very good at getting it open. I saw when PJ was kind of scrambling, uh, Cam decided to you know come out and break through a uh, break through a pat. I mean, break a route, mm-hmm. kind of created something on his own, ended up getting a whole bunch of yards on that play. Um, he's very strong with his hands, and he plays very physical. I think he's stiffed on like one player and chugged to another. <laughs> he uses his body a lot, and I just like his physicality. Yeah. Um, so our defensive guy. Um, this is kind of we had we had a couple guys there. Um, Mike Mike Stevens for LA. He's a corner. Uh, had seven tackles, one on special teams, two picks, and two pass selections, and he's actually a backup. Yeah, LA had their impressive. top two corners out, so him and Eric and Springs were the starters this week. Uh, he got two of the four that Cardell threw. Yeah, I'm sure Cardell, you know, he was a, a headache for Cardell. I'm sure Cardell wished the starters weren't injured this game. <laughs> this guy came out of nowhere and balled out. He had a good return one time. Nice pick. Just overall, he played with a lot of tenacity in this game. Right. Um, so, 
you want to talk about the very special special teams player of the week. Joe Powell. Um, all right, well, he's just exciting to watch. He fumbled a catch on a um, when he was trying to catch the ball. He fumbled the ball, I mean, and he ended up picking it up and running in for a touchdown. I will say on that play, that play reminded me of Deshaun Jackson. If you remember when he scored for the Eagles, he ended up fumbled the ball, picked it up. Best game ever yeah, right, exactly. I feel like a lot of people remember that game. It kind of reminded me of that, just how he turned some of that seemed to a bad situation to create a situation. I did see on that play, if you go back and watch, when he's uh, bringing the ball down, it's close to scoring, one of his teammates is celebrating, and, like celebrating with him and like running to the side instead of focus on blocking. And Joe Powell almost got, he got tackled into the end zone. And I just didn't, that was just one thing about that play that kind of bothered me was I feel like if his teammate was just aware and alert, knowing that, you know, it's not a for sure touchdown, right? then he could have stopped a horrible situation, which would have been taking away a touchdown that could have easily been a touchdown for just celebrating. Yeah, at first uh, I thought he was out at about the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's safety for the, for the Battlehawks. Um, so essentially, if anyone didn't see it, um, so LaDamian Washington, um, got the ball on the kickoff return. He was their main returner. Joe Powell came on a reverse from the left of the side of the field to the right. LaDamian threw the ball back to him, and then it was history from there, 84 yards to the house. First ever kickoff return touchdown uh, in the XFL history. So those are our three players of the week. Um, we also have our fantasy players of the week coming up so week four um a lot of guys are kind of separating themselves i feel like um but these are kind of guys that we have picked based off not just what they've done but what their schedule looks like coming up um and what we believe guys that we believe are going to do very well um, in fantasy football exactly so we have our first guy a quarterback um, for the Wildcats, Josh Johnson. Talked about him already. 278 yards last week. Right. Um, but they have a very favorable schedule coming up. They do. Um, so, New York. Yeah. <laughs> they, they play New York this week. Um, and then I believe they play um, another one and two team next week. And then the week after that, they play Tampa. Yeah, so two one and two teams, and then an zero and three team in three straight weeks gives yeah. them a very very favorable schedule that I feel like they can capitalize on. Yeah. And if they get three straight wins, they'll be above five hundred. They're five hundred three and two, and they're in the game. Exactly. Josh Johnson, he just, he just has to keep doing what he did this past week. Hopefully, they can get their running game down and help them out. He's your guy. Yeah, I like him a lot. I like you him support him more than I do. I do. I do. <laughs> next, uh, next guy we have is is uh, Matt Jones, running back for the Battlehawks, leading rusher in the in the XFL. Yeah, he's been he's a leading rusher, and he's also been splitting some carries with Michael, which is kind of impressive. Um, they obviously came out on top. He's just been dominating every week after week after week. Yeah, like I said in the beginning, I think that their rushing attack is the best by far in the XFL. I know I've 
said that a couple times about a couple other teams, mainly Tampa. But <laughs> this week definitely should uh, against a tough New York team with your guy at Bunmi on the line. Um, that they they can just power through anyone they want, yeah. essentially. For wide receivers, what do you think about Cam of Houston? I mean, yeah, we've talked about him a bunch, but he deserves it after having six touchdowns in two weeks and being the leading touchdown scorer overall. Yeah, this guy just been up remarkable numbers. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's the leading receiver in the league. 324 yards. Right. Uh, seven touchdowns is ridiculous. Just like P.J. Walker's 10 touchdown throws have been ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I think Houston is just a, a plethora of points every single week that it, any guy on Houston really can go off at any given time. Yeah, it honestly just shows the importance of him says, towards his team. He has seven touchdowns, and we talk about Nelson Spruce a lot on this podcast. Nelson Spruce, only come, he comes in about maybe the second receiver, you know, it's top five at least in the league. Yeah, but he, but he's in there with only two touchdowns compared mm-hmm. to seven. So obviously this guy's put up numbers, and I'll keep him as your wide receiver, not for this week, but for upcoming weeks as well. Right. Um, another guy we have already kind of discussed, um, but Donald Parham, the tight end for Dallas, um, he's the only tight end, realistically. Yeah, um, the tight end numbers in this league have not been great at all. Um, it's not like you have where you have it in the NFL where you have the top three, where you have Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, and then there's kind of a second tier of tight ends. And then the third, yeah. Here is kind of like Parham, and then everyone else. What's even more impressive from Parham is he's the youngest player on the team. He's only 22 years old, and he's putting up these remarkable numbers. Probably the best player on the team at the youngest as well. I got mentioned on six eight this past game, a 65 yard catch and run, uh, added some yards on there. But you know he's just going to be important not only for his team but for fantasy players that are uh, looking to use him. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of funny. He put out a response to the XFL's tweet about how fast he was running on that oh, really? touchdown. I see that. Um, and I think it said he was running about 21 miles an hour or something like that. That's, that's pretty good. And he was, like, he was like, yeah, but that was when I was tired. <laughs> Wait till you see me when I'm, when I'm, hel- when I'm uh, fully rested in the beginning of the game. You I believe believe it? Like 22 or 23. You believe him? Probably, yeah. like you said, he's six eight. His strides are absolutely that's, ridiculously that's, long. That's wild thing about a so, 22, 23 miles per hour. Okay. Yeah, I mean he's skinny, but he can he can get there. He has a wide receiver's body. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think I've ever seen a six eight guy run that fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he has two hundred seventeen yards overall, which is third best overall between wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, I think that, that Dallas runs their passing game runs through their tight ends and running backs based off especially this week like I said Lance Dunbar was the second yeah. receiver yards wise um, and with Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar combining for 15 catches that, that offense needs to find some more receiving weapons uh, Flynn Nagel has kind of been their best receiver 
but I, I still think that Parham is going to get the majority of the touches as, long, as well as the running backs in that offense. I agree. Um, so, going betting inside, so yeah, uh, down for going us. into betting. Uh, so I went back and listened uh, to last week's show, and I saw that I was four and four, uh, which wasn't bad for my first time picking the lines and picking over unders. Um, I killed the DC LA game, hit that eight and a half. Uh, at that at the point of time where I showed it was only eight, uh, but still eight and a half, and I got the uh, over under on there right. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought four and four was pretty good for last week. The, so this week, uh, first game, LA is seven and a half point favorite over New York, and the over under is at thirty nine. Um, I think that seven and a half is very doable for LA just based off New York's game against St. Louis last week as a 10 point dog. It's, I, I, like I said before, New York's horrible. Uh, I think any line is pretty safe to cover against them. Um, even even when they're at home this week, I, I don't think they're gonna cover it at all. I think LA's got the seven and a half. Over under 39, that's a tricky one because New York doesn't score a lot. Um, but I think I'm just going to go over because um, a lot of games have gone over 40 this this year so far. So I think I'll take the over on that one. Uh, next game, St. Louis. Uh, Seattle at St. Louis. Uh, this one was surprised. 12 points for St. Louis at home. I mean, they covered as a 10.5 favorite last week. Yeah. But... <laughs> 12 is just ridiculous. Uh, 12 is what you get when you have, like, a top SEC team, like like Alabama versus Texas A&M. Like, yeah, that's at least a two-touchdown uh, favor right there. Uh, but, yeah, I think 12 is way too much. Uh, I could see St. Louis covering at eight, but I think I'll take the plus 12 for Seattle there. Um, over under 38 and a half like I said with the first game I think 40 is kind of the base that I would take um, over wise so 38 and a half I'll take over all day on that um, Houston is one and a half point favorite over Dallas and the over under is 50 for that game Houston I'm, I'm going to take that to cover one and a half is easy yeah, easy I think most teams will be able to cover that especially uh, Houston yeah and 50 is an interesting number. 50 is 25-25, um, which I think I'm going to take the over in this one just based off how many points Houston has been scoring. Um, I think they can score at least 32 of those by themselves, uh, and I could see it being a competitive game for Houston, uh, especially since Dallas is at home. Yeah. Last game of the week, um, I think my DC boys will get back on the right track, especially against a, a winless Tampa team. They're only um, two and a half point favorite, which I don't understand why. Um, yeah, I mean, it is in Tampa, but still, it's Tampa. Still, <laughs> I mean, it just surprises me. Like it'll surprise. Imagine this: if DC goes goes in there and loses without me for just the team, everybody's opinion. I mean, years. I I think. I think the reason the line is so low for DC um, is because of Tampa's performance against Houston last week. Yeah. But 
I still don't think that Tampa's going to be able to pull it out. And two and a half, I think, is low enough that uh, DC can cover that. Um, 44 and a half over under. I'm going to take the under with that one. I think this will be a low scoring game. And even if it's not, and it's a blowout, I think it'll be DC's way. And uh, they'll still be under 44 and a half points. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of, you know, which ways the ball is going to go this week, you want to talk about our picks? Yeah, I mean, we had another pretty good week. Yeah, we Three did. and one. Uh, we were all on the boat together. Um, so we're, we're supposed to sit at seven and five right now. Two games above 500. We'll see how we do this week. Um, on the boat together again this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First game of um, L.A. at New York, Saturday, 2 p.m., ABC. Um, I won't be able to watch the first half, but he got. I have L.A. Definitely have L.A. on this game. Um, Josh Johnson, he's looking. He made his resurgence this past week, and I think he's just going to continue with it and fall out this game. I agree. Uh, I'm going with L.A., Seeing what they did last week to, to my boys in D.C. Um, I mean, they're not at home like they were last week, and they got to travel across the country to New York, but I still think they have the overall better team, like you said, with Josh Johnson. Um, if Eli Hood comes back, even if he doesn't, Martez Carter can um, handle the workload in the backfield, and they still have Nelson Spruce, the second-leading receiver in the league. Exactly. Um, how do you think New York will win, then? For New York to win... Um, I think their home field advantage has to come through. They need their fans to be there for them and to be loud and to make uh, Johnson have issues hearing the play calls. Uh, but I also think that they need to play Marquise Williams. I don't think Matt McGloin is doing anything. And even if they play uh, Luis Perez, I, he was the only one that scored the touchdown last week. He, threw it, he was the quarterback that threw it to Austin Duke. So, I mean, I think that if if Louis Perez ends up being the starter this week, I think they'll have a better shot than having Matt McGloin there just because I don't like how Matt McGloin's attitude has been toward him, his team and his teammates. Yeah. Um, and when he, get, when he gets in a rut, he just kind of Lames it. becomes like a douchebag and it, it just isn't the way that you need to... It was the exact opposite of what Cardale was this past week when he had thrown, I think it was after his third pick, and they were down 27-3 to at halftime, I think it was. And Cardale's like, it's all good, guys. Like, we got them right where we want them. Yeah, like, they still, ended up, they still ended up getting destroyed. But still, it's like you have to have a positive outlook until the game is definitely out of hand when you're in the late fourth quarter and you know you're not going to be able to come back. I mean, still, even during that time, you still have to have a positive uh, mindset. Right. And also, I will say, you said what the point was about home field advantage. Just overall in this, in this league, I've seen that home field advantage has been pretty big. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I also think if, if your boy Bun Me can uh, rack up some sacks and maybe, uh, yeah. maybe force a I'm turnover, sure, I think... I'm, uh, I'm sure he will. You got to uh, call him up and tell him, tell him to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he will. What do you think about uh, Seattle and St. Louis, the two teams? I just keep getting their names mixed up for whatever reason. <laughs> it's a little tongue twister. So, yeah, uh, this one will be at the Dome. 
in St. Louis on Saturday at five on Fox. Um, I got St. Louis. Uh, the dome was rocking last week, and I think it'll be rocking again this week. Um, these St. Louis fans are rabid, and they've waited. I think it was fifteen hundred plus days for football to come back to their city, mm-hmm. and they love the Battle Hawks. And I think that it has been a great thing for the XFL to bring football back to St. Louis. Yeah, it really has. Um, I also have St. Louis as well, and I agree with basically everything you said. Uh, so how how if St. Louis is going to win? Uh, how do you think that Seattle has a shot? Well, uh, Seattle they're averaging sixteen points per game. In order for them to have a shot, they need to get their running backs going, and they need to obviously get in the end zone. It's very important for this. Um, this allows just for their defense to get some, if they can stay on the field, because they haven't been, if they if their offense can stay on the field, it'll give their defense some time to rest and to come out and stop uh, St. Louis the entire mm-hmm. for the rest of the game. But you know, if, if not, then I don't see it happening because their their defense is just going to end up getting destroyed, I believe. Otherwise, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so first game on Sunday, uh, Houston at Dallas. Sunday, uh, 4 p.m. on FS1. Uh, do you have? I have Dallas. Obviously, I've had Dallas every single pick this season. Um, they're my team to win. I think everybody that listens to this knows that. I just love everything about their team. And there's a few things that I like them to fix, but I talked about that earlier. I believe they'll, they'll get that done. And I have Dallas all the way. Yeah, I'm rolling with you on Dallas train. Uh, this one was iffy for me. Uh, I was very close to picking Houston uh, based off what PJ and uh, Cam Phillips have done. Yeah. Uh, but I I think Dallas being at home changes it, and I think that is really why Houston is only a one-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, but like I said in the betting segment, um, 50 points for this game over-under. Uh, taking the over, I think this will kind of be a shootout game. Um, and even though Dallas has the best defense based off points against, they have only let up 45 points in three games, which is very good. Yeah. <laughs> 15 points per game. Um, I still think that Dallas gets the win, and I think that it will come down to a defensive stop by the Renegades um, on the against the vaunted Houston offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, we have our last game. So, I mean, but going back to that game real quick. Uh, oh, yeah. How do you think Houston for a chance to win? Yeah, I mean, for Houston to win, like I said, it's it's very close for me. Uh, these are the best two teams in the West right now. Uh, and I think if Houston comes out like they have been and PJ's just chucking balls deep to Cam Phillips all day and in the end zone, I think – Houston might actually win in a blowout because that's the capability that the Houston offense has. Um, I just worry kind of about the Houston defense against the Dallas offense. Yeah. But I think, yeah, if Houston wants to win, they're just going to have to score a hell of a lot more than Dallas does. I agree. Um, back to where I jumped to <laughs> last. Um, D.C. and Tampa Bay, it's Sunday at 7 on ESPN2. Who do you have? 
roll with my boys, man. Uh, staying with them uh, on the DC train. Uh, I think that they're going to bounce back perfectly fine. Um, like I said, Cardell's a consummate professional. He's been here, been in big games, and he knows how to, how to come back from uh, a little dip in his production. Yeah, and sure. I think the DC defense is, is still very strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm DC as well, and like how I was bouncing from what you said about the defense being uh, strong. Cardell Jones has been strong this year. He has 614 yards passing, mm-hmm. and or just total. And I just don't see Tampa Bay at all being able to stop him. But 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 if they were, if they were to somehow get get the dub in at him, well, what, what would it take? If Tampa Bay were to, to get a win, well, first of all, you have to realize that the time in the league is is winding down. Playoffs are approaching. It's not as far away as people think. Um, so it's crunch time for teams to get wins. So Tampa Bay, they're going to need a group effort, not just from the players, but from the coaches, calling the right plays at the right times. Uh, just the entire thing. Taylor Cornelius needs to have a great game. Um, but I just don't think there's one single player on offense or defense that needs to step up. I just think it needs to be a group effort because this team right now is winless. And that's things going up down in the interior and exterior of the team. It's causing that. All right, man. Well, we told you our picks. Um, let us know what your picks are. Um, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you want. Um, we will definitely respond to you. Uh, FAA Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us, Robotics Anonymous, on Facebook. Also, look us up on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you want to listen, we can get you there. All right. Thank you for watching.